welcome to Quid Pros Quo. I'm Rin. And I'm Zach. And today we are talking about your world building and how to world build major achievements into your fantasy or sci-fi world or historical fiction. But a disclaimer first, we are science fiction fantasy authors and we don't write historical fiction, at least I don't. I don't know if you've ever I don't think I've ever written straight historical fiction. I sometimes write gay historical fiction. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I could not resist. Um, <laughs> but anyways, I guess I walked into that. One. You really did. <laughs> anyways, anachronisms are much more relevant in historical fiction than science fiction and fantasy, and we talked about that in the last episode. So we are just going to get right into the episode. Yeah. So, Rin originally suggested this episode in talking about um, major achievements in the history of your world. And one way of measuring this is talking about technological epics, um, spelled E-P-O-C-H, not E-P-I-C. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is a general, like, category of, you know, category of technologies that kind of go in sequence with each other. So, let's run through mm-hmm. those. So, first you have the Stone Age. This is when you have tools that are made of stone. And then when you think of, like, where people are in the world, they're, like, migrating out of, like, the first continent. Mm-hmm. Uh, in our world, that's Africa. And I was just thinking, I would love to see a Stone Age fantasy. Like, that would be yeah, I so interesting. Seen a lot of, I haven't seen much pre, unfortunately, I haven't seen much pre-medieval fantasy. Yeah, I've, I've seen, seen a, a lot of post-medieval Yes, I've seen a few Bronze Age fantasies, but mostly from other people who are like, they're, it's like they're work in progress, and I've just been privileged enough to like read a couple of chapters out yeah. of their whips. Yeah. Um, so, but like, it would be really, in- these like early eras are like so rich of untapped potential or something like that. I don't yeah. know how to say that. Um, next historical epoch epic is the Bronze Age, which is, the first metalworking, and there is a really good video on YouTube. It's called, like, The Seven Metals of Fantasy or something. I'll find oh, it and yeah. put it into the show notes. Um, but it explains why bronze is, like, the first material to be worked across, like, several different civilizations. Yeah. So, Bronze Age. Do you want to take the Iron Age? Yeah, so in the Iron Age, you're... The distinction between Bronze Age and Iron Age is the the metals that you can work. And the metals that you can work is dependent on temperature and a couple of other factors. So being able to work iron, it means that you have access to things that would make it possible to do so. So hot ovens and also the the materials that you would use to shape um, hot iron. This also tends to go along with things like larger, like larger cities that are planned rather than cities that just kind of pop up and, and spread. Um, this is also when you start having um, further development of writing systems is during the Iron Age. Yeah. Also, we did mention it during the Bronze Age, but that's also when the wheel was invented. Yeah. In, I think it was ancient Mesopotamia. Mesopotamia. <laughs> Sorry, I was just thinking of they might be giants. Nice. Um, after the Iron Age, you have, we stop calling them ages and we start calling them eras. Yeah. Which is fascinating to me. I don't know why we did that. But well, I like we it. dip into era, and then apparently we go back to ages. Although I suppose there's a reason for that based off of oh. the timeline. <laughs> that, 
you're so true. I like my eyes glazed over that one. But you have the classical era, which is like ancient Greece, Rome, Persian, Byzantine empires. Like these all these are the ones that like you you choose a classical era civilization and you have a hyperfixation on it in third grade. Yeah. For me, it was Egypt. Yep, the Egyptology book, the really yes, shiny one. Yes. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Mm-hmm. So after the classical era, you have uh, dark slash middle ages, and it's important to recognize that this terminology comes from European history because after the fall of Rome, you have a kind of regression as far as centralization is concerned, but you still have interesting things that are happening in Europe at this time. Um, if you're comparing to what's going on inside of China or what's going on in the Middle East or what's going on in African kingdoms at this time, there's a lot more interesting and less depressing things that are happening right then. Um, But this can be used to talk about things like building giant castles and moats, and you're starting to deal with parchment. I mean, you have those sorts of things earlier, but we think about illuminated manuscripts inside of the, inside of European, the European Middle Ages. Um, Things like that. Yeah, I, quick aside, I love illuminated manuscripts so much, Mm -hmm. like, just seeing, like, the little, like, animal doodles. Yep, the doodles. Beautiful. Um, it's just so humanizing, though, right? It because really you is. have, like, like, these random scribes who are just like, oh, I'm going to draw a toad that has pants on. Yes, exactly. I got to, let's see, I must have been a senior in high school, and I got to go visit Yale for, like, an academic competition, and they have, like, their, like, rare books library. Yeah. The most gorgeous illuminated manuscripts I've ever seen mm-hmm. in there. And they're, like, all in, like, glass cases. I'm, like, trying to take pictures, and there's, like, gl- like a the slight glare. glare on the glass. But anyways, love that. Uh, we return to the eras with the early mod. <laughs> the early mod. <laughs> we return to the eras with the early modern era, um, where you have the Renaissance, the Reformation, and the Enlightenment. And in order, most people know about the Renaissance. Like this is when like people got really obsessed with the classical era again, and it was like a really big deal. And they re- recovered a lot of those manuscripts from other civilizations that hadn't had those dark ages. We're going to borrow them from these Muslim empires. We'll borrow them from, you know, these African kingdoms. Mm -hmm. Um, Then there was the Reformation, which is, this is more often referred to, I feel like, as the Protestant Reformation, where Martin Luther nailed his 95 Theses to the door of a chapel in, like, Wittenberg, I think it was. And... You move away from one major religion in Europe, and the Catholic Church no longer had the monopoly on religion, and lots of interesting things happened there. Yeah, inside of a like inside of a fantasy context, you can think about oh, when you have like when you have the printing press, when you have greater access to information, like greater literacy kind mm-hmm. of thing, greater literacy and greater ability to disseminate information, you end up allowing people to challenge i uh, you know traditional ideas yeah um for for better or for worse you also mentioned the enlightenment that comes along with the development of the scientific method inside of mm-hmm. europe at this time so when you're pulling this into the um when you're pulling this into a into a fantasy world it's important to think about and we mentioned this a little bit earlier but thinking about um what's going on at this time period, but also what it looks like in your particular world. Because the early modern era in, you know, the inside of the Middle East is looking different than the early modern era in Europe, and it's going to look different inside of your fantasy world. Yes, absolutely. Um, 
that's how we get into the modern era, which has, like, so much of everything. Um, you got the Industrial Revolution, which was, like, cold steam. and steam. Yeah, exactly. Um, you have the Revolutionary Period, where, like, everyone was just having revolutions, like, all over the world, and some of them were... Well, all of them were, like, bloody and brutal, but some of them were more bloody and brutal than others. Like, I think, like, French Revolution versus, like... The Glorious Revolution. Exactly. But, yeah, you have revolutions. You have the Age of Imperialism going on, you know, just before, because that's what the revolutions are often are often responding to, is mm-hmm. the, the empires. You have more technological revolution, and you start having this concept of world wars. So... Inside of, you know, our world, we're talking about wars like the Seven Years' War, the Napoleonic Wars, um, the French and Indian War, you know, these big conflicts that draw in large swaths of the population. Um, this is also when you get into World War One. Yeah. And then, along with all these wars, wars are, like, a really great way to drive innovation because mm-hmm. all this money gets being poured into being the best technologically and, like, just being better than everyone else is very much... Wars are very much my horse is bigger than your horse. (laughs) Um, Which is how we get into the next era, which is the atomic era, which is named for the atomic bomb. So, second Oppenheimer reference (laughs) in a row, two episodes in a row. I have not seen it. I will not see it. I'm... I'm uh, seeing it on Saturday. Okay, I'm so happy for you. The atomic era, you know, is defined by the atomic bomb Mm -hmm. and all of the technological innovation that comes after that. So when I'm thinking, like, if you've ever played Sid Meier's Civilization V, you think about the tech tree, right? And you start thinking about, like, commercial flight becomes more more ubiquitous, refrigeration, Mm -hmm. cars, highways, you know, all those sorts of things. Radar. Radar is super important inside of World War II. It's developed during World War II, and it becomes super-duper important. So that's all going on with the Atomic Era. Yep. And then our currently final era, (laughs) I was going to say our final era, but that's not right, um, is the Information Era, which is, like, the advent of the Internet, where we just have, like, unprecedented access to information. Mm -hmm. And anyone with an Internet access has, like can find basically whatever you want if you can get out of the echo chambers that we've been built into. I recently discovered um, Bo Burnham's Welcome to the Internet, which I had never heard before because I'm a dinosaur. Um, (laughs) And I thought it was, like, so delightfully horrifying where it was like, yeah, this is how the Internet is. Yeah, it's kind of bad. Really bad. So you can take these eras that we've talked about from history, but you can also extrapolate them forward. Um, particularly, you can go forward by thinking about what happens post-singularity. So this idea of the singularity refers to when artificial intelligence is able to improve upon itself, what happens after that, and what sort of technologies become available and widespread at that point. And then you can also think about a post-scarcity um, society where producing and distributing resources no longer is a problem so everybody has everything that they need what does that what does that accomplish for for mankind so that's kind of extrapolating forward when you're talking about um, when you're talking about technological ethics um, another interesting thing that you can think about is the Kardashev scale which is um, one of my favorite ways of thinking about um, civilizations in science fiction 
where with the Kardashev one, you know, civilization, you're talking about a civilization that can harness all the energy on a particular planet. So humanity right now, if I remember correctly, and it's been a couple of years since I researched this, but if I remember correctly, we're sitting at like 0.7. So not quite one, but we're getting there. Um, but one is being able to do the entire planet. Two is being able to harness the power of an entire star, and it goes up from there. Wow. Um, and thinking about what kinds of, what scales of energy are available to these civilizations and what that would make possible for them. That is super cool. I've never heard of this scale before. Oh, maybe uh, we I'm going to ask you episode. to, like, okay, well, extended episode, I'm also going to ask you to put in the show notes. I'm making a note for you to put in yep. stuff in the show notes. Of course, you can also think about, like, the seven wonders of your world here. I think it would be so cool to have more fantasy civilizations that have one really cool, like, architectural thing or, like, not the pyramids. Like, don't just rip off the pyramids, but, like, or, like, the Hanging Gardens of Babylon. But, like, come up with something, like, this is super sick and original. Like, maybe the pyramid gardens. (laughs) (laughs) The upside-down pyramids. (laughs) Exactly. Um, and as a, my final thing I'll say about this is I think it can be really fun to mash up eras, mm-hmm. um, where I, like, my world of Asphodel, which does not have a better title than just Asphodel right now, We're, we've been working on it for years and it's, it's not making progress, um, but it's a blend of classical and information eras, because it's technically probably, like, post-information era, because this is dystopia. Mm-hmm. But it's, like, there's so many, like, classical inspirations. Like, this is, I think I may have mentioned it on the podcast before where I'm, like, this is my, fan, for fans of Percy Jackson who have grown up, it's Greek gods in a dystopian society. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, Zach, do you have anything else to add for this episode? Yeah, so you can think about achievements in terms of technology. You can think about them in terms of architectural or engineering feats, like Rin mentioned. You can also think about them in terms of concepts. In our vast, in our last episode, we talked about how some of the ideas that are so ubiquitous to our understanding about how the world works today were not understood by people living, you know, millennia ago. So you can have things like rights revolutions, um, uh, scientific revolutions. Uh, epistemological revolutions, those sorts of tenor changes in the kinds of ideas that define human societies and cultures can also be an interesting way that you that you look at achievements. Um, but whatever you do, you're using these in order to add more depth into the history, the culture, and the technology of your world. Yeah, that is such a great way to wrap up the episode. Good job. Um, this has been Quid Pros Quo. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll see you next week. Quid Pros Quo is hosted by DC Winters and CK Jensen. If you like this episode, be sure to leave us a rating. And if you'd like to contact us, you can email us at quidprosquo at gmail.com. For more episodes, check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever else you get your podcasts.